Yes, certainly. One door always leads to another. That's sort of how I've lived my life. So my first graphic design job, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go for it because uh, they were hiring a graduate and I, I hadn't studied it. You know, from my perspective, I was like, there's no way I've got it. And that, yeah, you never know unless you go for it. So. This is the Last Week Liquid Podcast. Welcome back to the Last Week Liquid Podcast, the show all about the world of drum and bass. This week, I bring you my discussion with Sam, better known as Muted Hugh. I was introduced to Sam uh, through Jake Hurst, who you might know from his interviews um, on UKF um, and also his work uh, for Onyx Recordings. Um, I had a great time meeting and, and chatting with Sam. Uh, he's based in uh, Adelaide, Australia, which you'll quickly hear from, from his accent. Um, he has quite an extensive experience in graphic design, uh, doing artwork uh, in, in drum and bass, but also outside of music. Uh, and we spent quite a bit of time talking about it, that experience and how he came to, to, to work in graphic design, which I think was a, quite a unique um, perspective and a new topic I haven't really chatted about yet on, on this podcast. Um, we also talked about uh, his introduction to drum and bass, doing artwork for Boy Audio, um, an inspiring chat uh, at some point on how it's important to give things a shot and to not hold yourself back, even if you might not, not always feel you're, you're qualified or um, yeah, don't have the, the skills for certain things. Um, always important to give things a shot. Um, also talked about why it's important to sometimes be selective uh, with the music re you release. Um, and then we talked quite a bit about the inspiration behind his latest EP, Parting Ways, uh, and how he came to join the Onyx Recordings uh, team. Uh, so yeah, all in all, really a, really a chat I, I enjoyed. Uh, a lot of topics we haven't explored yet on the podcast. So yeah, really enjoyed having Sam on. Um, so before we jump into it, uh, just a quick reminder to please subscribe and rate the podcast if you enjoy it um, check out the website which is uh, now online um, last week liquid uh, wait what yeah last week <laughs> I don't even know my own website lastweekliquid.com um, and join the Facebook group as well um, last week liquid podcast community um, if you want to join on the fun uh, and the interactions uh, with other people that listen to the podcast Uh, that's enough for me now. So as always, uh, thanks a lot for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed the show. And we're on. Welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Last Week Liquid podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Sam, better known as Muted Hugh. Based out of Adelaide, Australia, Sam is a drum and bass producer with releases on Bowie Audio and Onyx Recordings. He is also a graphic designer and is part of the team at Onyx Recordings, where he takes care of all the digital marketing. You can catch his latest release, the Parting Ways EP, out now on all platforms. Sam, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Uh, good to be here and uh, keen to have a chat. Yeah, thanks for thanks thanks for making some time. I know it's uh, quite late where you are. What is is it like eleven now or? Uh, not quite. It's uh, 9.20 p.m., um, but I did okay. work today. So, um, yeah, I've been up since about 7.30 this morning. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's That's been a long, long day, day, but, uh, <laughs> you know, always make time for this sort of stuff. Yeah, no, no, no it's cool. Thanks for, 
thanks for joining. Um, we get uh, introduced through, uh, through uh, Jake, who, who works at Onyx as well. Um, so he reached out to me saying you had an EP uh, upcoming. Uh, if I fancied having you on, give it a listen. And honestly, I was really impressed. Uh, it's not out yet. Uh, it'll be out Friday, but it'll be out when uh, people listen to this podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, right off the bat, great EP, man. Congrats on that one. Thanks, I really, really, really appreciate that. So yeah, before we get into that EP, because I'm really interested in uh, how you came about writing it, uh, how you joined the Onyx team and all of that. Uh, but before that, it's first time I have somebody from Australia. So tell me how are things in uh, in your part of the world at the moment? Um, so in Australia, we're actually, again, given the state of the world at the moment with COVID and whatnot, uh, we're extremely fortunate um, in that, you know, the city I live in, in Adelaide, um, you know, there's no lockdown anymore. We can go out to pubs, restaurants. Um, life is is relatively normal aside from, uh, I guess, the event side of things. So we are still quite restricted um, in the events we can put on, the capacities, uh, you know, for events and also the dancing. Um, there's no dancing allowed at the moment, which is a, a massive hindrance uh, on the industry. So, I mean, I certainly sympathise for the, you know, the events in the music industry. Um, but in general, uh, we are very fortunate, I guess, compared to a lot of other countries that, you know, have been in lockdown uh, this entire time. Mm. Yeah. Is it kind of a, so it's not exactly like New Zealand because New Zealand was definitely getting all the headlines with the, the festivals recently. So it's not exactly the same at the same stage in, in Australia. No, not quite. Um, I think New Zealand are, are one step ahead uh, when it, you know, when it comes to being able to put on shows and that sort of thing. I think we're pretty, we're pretty close to getting there. Uh, we have had uh, events, festivals, um, but, you know, they're, they're sort of like the pod setups where you've got to have, you know, an isolated area. So they're not quite the same as the, you know, your normal festivals and, and events that you'd have uh, mm. over in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then you were, with uh, with Onyx, you were doing the stay-at-home festival with GoChat, which was a, a huge success. Um, I'm keen to chat about that one uh, later on as well. Yeah, for um, sure. But, uh yeah, so you yeah you're just telling me you had a pretty long day. I know you you work on a lot of different stuff as a graphic designer. Uh, tell me just a bit about like your day today. What did it look like? What were you busy with? Uh, so I work. So currently I work for a, a I guess you could call it a marketing agency or advertising agency, uh, which I only uh, landed October last year. So I was actually really fortunate. Um, a lot of people were sort of going out of work, and uh, you know it was re- it was really hard. Um, you know, when COVID hit, but fortunately for me, I had an opportunity to join this agency. Um, and so we basically uh, do the design and marketing uh, for a lot of different uh, venues like restaurants, uh, pubs, small bars, you know, pizza joints. Uh, so my day to day, I go into the office, uh, which is based at one of the venues. Uh, we've got a little, uh, our own little office there. Uh, and I basically, I work remotely, so I've, I bring my laptop in and I've got a team of about th- four, uh, I'd say. And we, mm. yeah, we, we just uh, go through all the different clients, the different venues, uh, put together, you know, uh, marketing strategies, do all the graphic design. Um, mm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. Do, um, I'm wondering, like, because of COVID and like the lockdown, I guess you guys went through as well. Is there like more demand for like 
like branding and image stuff after lockdown? Or is there like less demand from, from clients? Well, the hardest thing, uh, you know, from a hospitality and events perspective is that, you know, without events, there's no artwork to create. There's, there's nothing to promote. So, uh, yeah, COVID certainly hindered that side of things. But uh, in saying that when interstate travel was banned, international travel was banned, um, a lot of people that would normally go on holidays elsewhere were sort of stuck in the state. So... Um, mm. They had nowhere else to go, but you know, just sort of smaller pubs and cafes. So I think your your week to week trade certainly increased um, f for some businesses. Um, but yeah, the event side of things uh, definitely dropped down, which was a bit of a bummer. But we are starting, as I mentioned earlier, we are starting to pick up again, which is good. Mm. Yeah, 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 for sure. T t tell me a bit about. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm very ignorant about Australia. I've been only to Sydney once. So I know where Sydney is on the map, but uh, I, I don't know where Adelaide is at all. So tell me about like, what does it look like where, where you are? Is it a, I guess it's summer now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yes, it's summer. We're in the, the last month of summer. Um, so we'll be heading in, uh, um, yeah, into autumn soon. So Adelaide's um, in the state of South Australia. So we're um, down the south, um, live on the south coast of Australia. Um, we're called the, the 20 minute city. So we're quite mm -hmm. a small city. Um, much more affordable compared to Melbourne or uh, or Sydney, uh, but yeah, it's great. So you know we've got uh, we've got the uh, you know the famous uh, wine country down here in Adelaide, the Barossa Valley. Um, mm -hmm. So you know it's great. You can see the beach, um, the city, and wine country all within you know half an hour's drive, uh, which is which is really great if you're keen to get out and see the state. Uh, I, I personally love it. I know a lot of you know interstaters tend to hate on Adelaide, little old Adelaide. Uh, a lot of the time we get left out of uh, tours and the East Coast, you know, uh, festival yeah, yeah. tours. Uh, but, you know, living down here, we've got a really strong um, drum and bass scene, uh, really good crew down here. Um, I think it's the sort of place that until you actually come and experience it, you know, you, you don't really know what you're missing out on. So, mm. it, so, so you were saying like often tours will skip Adelaide. Is that because it's quite isolated or is it like too small or what's I think reason? we're just too small. Yeah, they just don't get the the numbers sometimes that you know or the promoters won't, you know, risk it. Uh but fortunately in Adelaide we from the drum and bass side of things we have some really good promoters that are putting on some really cool events. You know, they they you know take a lot of hits sometimes, but you know, I guess out of the passion of of music and drum and bass, they continue to put on shows. We've mm -hmm. actually got Delta Heavy coming down soon, which I think is oh, the well. first uh, yeah, international uh, headline in in like a year or since COVID hit, um, so so yeah, they're pushing through and and putting stuff on, um, which is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely want to go back to Australia one one time. It's just it's just like like everybody says, it's so far away. Out the way, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I was there once when I was uh, I was living in in Taiwan for for six months for a student like exchange program, and. When I finished my program, I was traveling through Asia and went by Sydney for a week because I had a friend living there uh, and I loved it. It was so, I don't know if like Sydney and Adelaide are exactly the same. I'm sure they have their differences, but in Sydney, I, I felt the people were so laid back and it was so chill and yeah. I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I really yeah, wanted to go back It's very laid back Australia. and I'd say, you know, if, if, you, if you found Sydney chilled, then you'd find Adelaide even more chilled, <laughs> you know, because I've been, I've been oh, to really? Sydney, I've been, I've been to Sydney before, and you know, for us locals, it's 
you know, we find that quite, you know, busy and, and um, yeah, the hustle and bustle of the, the big city where the you know, Adelaide <laughs> is very, very laid back. So um, I, I'm sure I'd probably get a fair bit of culture shock if I ever went to somewhere, you know, like London or New York. Um, but hey, you know, um, that's the goal, you know, eventually. So yeah, it's yeah, it's funny that you find Sydney so like busy because uh, yeah, I guess it's all a question of perspective because I was coming from a, an Asian capital so it felt very like laid back for me. Sure. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all a question of perspective where you're coming from. And yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I haven't really traveled much either. So um, yeah, I'm sure uh, you know, I've, I've got that to, to experience later on in life. Yeah. yeah. So, so coming back to your work as a, as a graphic designer, how did you, are you a graphic designer by trade? Were you always, uh, always doing that or did you kind of discover it later on? Um, no. Out? So, I mean, when I was in high... Yeah, so when I was in high school, I was always very arty. I originally wanted to be just a straight-up artist. Um, then I was in the – my my roots in music actually uh, lie in sort of like the hardcore scene, death metal, like sort of heavier mm. music. So I used to play in a few death metal bands when I was 15, 16, 17. Nice. And I uh, got really – you know, I got my first drawing, Wacom drawing tablet in year 10. And because I knew everyone in the scene, I just started doing all the album covers for the local hardcore bands. Mm -hmm. And that sort of, that sort of set me off. Um, but my, my first job when I was 18 was actually just, you know, a waiter, bartender in, in hospitality uh, for a company. And over the years, I sort of, you know, progressed, progressed through the company. I got into events, started doing some event coordination, um, and then they had a, a role going for graphic designer only in, in 2018, uh, so mm -hmm. pretty recently. And I just went for it and fortunately got the job. Uh, and, you know, fortunately, I'd, because I'd done work freelancing when I was a bit younger and I, I, I designed, you know, flyers for drum and bass shows for some of my mates who were promoters and that sort of thing. And, yeah, so I got that job and the rest was sort of history. I then started doing that full time, uh, got involved doing some design work for Bowie Audio, the Irish label, yeah. um, you know, Onyx Recordings. And yeah, then as I mentioned, late last year, I managed to get my first job in a real uh, marketing slash design agency. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been amazing. Mm. So, so did you actually ever study like graphic design uh, as such or was it more kind of self-taught? No, to be honest, I actually dropped out of high school. So that's that's mm -hmm. why I did the uh, hospitality because that's sort of all I was qualified to do. But, uh, you know, I was really keen and passionate about doing it. And, you know, I'd been using Photoshop since I was, uh, you know, like 10 years old. So mm. I guess, uh, you know, when it comes to design, I feel a lot of that is is uh, your hands-on experience. So, you know, and the fact we live in the day and age now where you can just yeah. basically learn anything off YouTube or the internet. So I just, yeah, sort of developed my own skills. And, you know, at times I, I sort of think to myself like, oh, am I, um, you know, am I qualified enough to be doing this job? But um, I've, had, I've had uni students uh, do internships with me, you know, throughout my work. And I've realized that, uh, yeah, you, you can't really teach a lot of this stuff, it's really just mm. comes down to the, doing the job, the day-to-day, -day, gaining the experience from doing the work. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so it, you know, it goes to show, you know, if you, if you um, put your mind to it and you're passionate enough to do something, you know, you can, you can get there eventually. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I love those kind of stories. It's, yeah, I, I imagine when you're either applying for jobs or offering services, people are never going to ask you, oh, where did you study? They're going to ask you for your portfolio or what you've absolutely. done in the past. Absolutely. I, that's, that's the most important thing in the end. I think I can understand, for example, if you're doing a technical job, you know, like a doctor or an engineer, you, you need that, that technical uh, you know, expertise or you know, that qualifications. Not to say there's not a te technical aspect to graphic design, but you're, you're very right when you say when you're going for a job, an employer is going to look at your portfolio. They're going to look at what you can create. Um, yeah. And I guess, you know, from an interview, they're, they're going to know, um, you know, if you're well-spoken and, and your ability to work in a team and that sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. So so coming back to what you, you just said, so you started doing artwork for, for Bowie Audio. When did that, because uh, uh, I, I think I saw online you did quite quite a few artworks for them. It wasn't just a, just a one-off. So how did that kind of collaboration come about? Well, it's funny, and I guess this sort of uh, is a bit of an introduction to you know, how I started releasing uh, drum and bass music. So I had always um, been uploading tracks to my SoundCloud. You know, I first got SoundCloud, I think, in 2000 and nine or 2010 so i've had a, i've had a few different sound clouds uh and you know i only i'd been making lots of different music you know some of the first music i ever released was back in 2008 on i don't know if you know the website newgrounds which is like a was back when flash games were massive um it was sort of this flash games okay. uh portal where people yeah, could yeah, yeah. make their own you know flash animations and you could upload your own game music and that and that sort of thing uh yeah, but yeah. then yeah got got into drum and bass I guess you know not until I was about 15 um in high school and then I, after I sort of discovered drum and bass I started you know make, making drum and bass and uploading it to SoundCloud and yeah it wasn't until I think 2017 randomly uh Adam who runs Bowie just messaged me on SoundCloud um and wanted to sign a couple of tracks that I had mm. uploaded which ended up being Inkling and Uncharted, yeah. so Inkling was the title track of my first EP. Uncharted was another track, and then I wrote two more tracks after he signed those two. And I mean, that really, I've you know, I owe a lot to Adam. That really sort of launched my career and got me into the the scene. You know, being in Australia it was actually quite hard trying to infiltrate the, the UK, uh, <laughs> yeah, you imagine. know, drum and bass uh, world. And you know, it's yeah, because you, you're quite far removed and you know, completely different time zone. But uh, yeah, so he sort of got my name out there and uh, I know he, I think at one stage, he was looking for a designer to do artwork. I think he could see just from my, having having me on Facebook that I did graphic design. And so, yeah, I think, I can't even remember what the first release I did for him was, but I did one and then, you know, he kept coming back, <laughs> you know, he kept coming back with more work and... Um, so actually, at the moment, I like I am I'm pretty much their designer. So um, I pretty much do all their releases mm. now. So uh, which is which is great because you know it's it's sort of ties in my my full time work with graphic design to you know my passion with drum and bass and you know to be designing um, you know like I'm des designing a cover at the moment uh, for Zero T you know and for me oh, that's wow. just so crazy because yeah you know <laughs> I've just you know I've looked up to this this producer, you know, since I was a teenager and now I'm designing album covers for it. So yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, okay. I, I want to dive into that afterwards. Uh, but just coming back so to your introduction with, with Boy, were you looking to, to release tracks at that stage or was it really just putting on SoundCloud and you didn't really think about it much, much more? I think at that stage, so that was around 2017. He, I think he signed the tracks at the end of 2017. We released June 2018. Um, I think at the time, yeah, I'd really just started to take music seriously. So I just bought, I'd always used Cubase, but I just bought, I'd saved up and bought Cubase uh, 9.5 Pro. I bought, uh, I'd just been using some Behringer like Truth 303As or something that was secondhand, you know, from a, from one of my old bandmates. So I went and bought uh, some Adam A7Xs, got a proper sound card and everything. So I don't, I'm not sure if I was looking to sign, but I was certainly looking to like elevate my, the quality of my mm. sound. And yeah, I think the next, whether whether or not Adam had approached me or not, I think the next step would have been for me to yeah. approach labels, but you know, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, which is yeah. But why if, I haven't if really it wasn't released much, through... you know, since 2018. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I was just gonna say if uh, if it wasn't through through Adam noticing you, then you might not have this gig with with Bowie at the moment. So it's funny how things like sometimes happen. Yeah. I wouldn't say like for a reason specifically because uh, I don't really believe in like fate, but uh, it's funny no, how it's... things happen in a certain way. Yes, yeah, certainly one door always leads to another. That's sort of how I've lived my life. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, you can make plans in life, but I think you have to be very opportunistic because uh, you have to be flexible because, yeah. uh, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, you, you, there's no way I could have planned out my life on a piece of paper. You know, you can't <laughs> take the exact, you know, route that I I took to get to where I am, but it's, you can end up where I am, you know, I guess through your attitude, in terms of being able to notice opportunities when they arise and I guess, yeah. Uh, yeah, just being able to, you know, even with the graphic design job, my first graphic design job, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go for it because uh, it was, they were hiring a graduate. It was a graduate position and I, I hadn't studied it. And mm. it, a lot of my co-workers were saying, you, you stu- you're stupid if you don't go for this. Like, this is what you want to do. And I'm like, well, I'm not qualified enough. And then the job uh, position actually closed and then I think I just had this this last minute like, shit, I've got to, <laughs> I have yeah, to do yeah. this. So, so I went into HR and I said, is it too late to put an application through? And, the, and she said, no, because I worked for the company. She said, go for it. And then didn't even have an interview. They just took me into the into the office, into the, you know, the manager took me to his office and was like, here's the job. So That's yeah, amazing. so just, just goes to show, yeah, it's um, even, you know, from my perspective, I was like, there's no way I've got it. And, but yeah, you never know unless you go for it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's man, that's uh I think that's really inspiring inspiring story in, in many ways. Like for there there's this quote I always remember, uh I don't know where I heard it, but it's like never say no for the other person. Uh and that's that's basically a way of saying like don't don't assume people are gonna yeah, like refuse you or anything, like just go for it. And then if they say no, well then yeah, that's it. But don't say no for other people. Um I think that's uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah, you you don't know until you try it, right? You know, I mean, you can, yeah. uh, you yeah, you can make an assumption, but yeah, until you try it, yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. So, yeah, coming back to that that first EP, I was listening back to it, and uh, 
Honestly, it's a it's a banging EP. I really, Cheers, <laughs> really man. enjoyed it. Cheers. And yeah, I'm just curious how, because for like a first, let's say official release, it's in my eyes, it's like really, really a strong one. Um, so I'm just curious how you got your like production to that level for for a first release. Um, what was behind it, all of that? Sure, sure. Uh, I guess. You know, one thing I'm very fortunate uh, for is, you know, I look at a lot of producers and, and DJs in the drum and bass scene and it's like they get into drum and bass or they start off DJing, you know, and then they're sort of like, oh, you can make this stuff and then they sort of delve into the production side of things. Yeah. Whereas I come from a very musical background. Like I started, um, you know, piano lessons at the age of four. I had lessons for 10 years. Uh, I taught myself the guitar, played in lots of, as, as I said, metal bands, mm. you know, got into that sort of game sort of music, you know, and I, you know, I was only like 13, I think, when I first started uploading to SoundCloud and I've always been a bit of a internet nerd. So I've always been on, you know, forums and that sort of thing. And I, and, you know, you say it's a strong release and, you know, I'm very, very grateful, you know, for that feedback, but, you know, that's my drum and bass alias. So I'd had quite a few other aliases releasing just okay. other dance music like I had a big bro step dubstep phase um <laughs> you know uh like a lot of people <laughs> yeah and and so um yeah like so if you think my first you know track uploaded to, to new grounds was 2008 you know inkling ep didn't come out till 2018 which is 10 years later yeah. so i'd had 10 years to um, you know, when I like, for example, when I first started getting samples, you know, it wasn't Splice or Sample Genie or these online subscriptions. It was, you know, me going to the news agency with my mum, getting her to buy me the twenty-dollar computer music magazine. You know, putting <laughs> oh, this, yeah, this yeah. CD in and like ripping the samples off there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and that was just my, my whole thing, I guess, as a teenager. I was just obsessed with that sort of stuff. And the biggest thing that held me back, I guess, was I sort of already knew, like, to get a good sound, I needed to have good speakers, like good monitors, proper software. Uh, so I sort of, and I knew to do that, like I needed to have money. So, you know, I sort of, I think like maybe when I was 17, just sort of, sort of put a plan in place where I was like, I'm going to get a job, you know, as a bartender or whatever, save up some money. In fact, the first step was building a computer that was good enough to even <laughs> run oh, all this well. software, you know. So I um, built my built my desktop PC, yeah, got the monitors, uh, got got the sound card, got all the gear, and I just wrote like a lot of music. Like uh, you know that 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 EP is only four tracks, but I, I've probably got like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unfinished tracks. And I'm just yeah a bit of a perfectionist, so mm. uh, you know they they were definitely my strongest uh, tracks at the time. But there was a lot of <laughs> there was a lot of crap that you know didn't didn't make it to the cut. So it's I guess it's partly also being very selective. Uh, you know, with the tracks that I was willing to share, you know, with the public. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's a good way also to approach it. There's, I don't know, there, there, there's kind of two ways of looking at it from people I've talked to. And it's either like put out as much as possible because sometimes quantity is better than perfection in just a perfect track. Uh, but at the same time, you do want to be happy with the tracks you put out and you do want to be selective and not just put everything out either. Um, uh, so, so it's kind of finding that middle ground, I guess, between the two. Yeah, absolutely. And I think on one hand, I was very conscious that first impressions count and, mm. you know, 
I wanted when people hear muted cue, you know, to be like, okay, like, you know, this music's cool and not maybe hear something sort of subpar. And then, you know, if your name pops up again, it's like, well, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to click on the tune because yeah. you've already sort of ruined that first impression. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, on, on the other hand, uh, you know, since uh, Inkling EP, it's been three years and I feel like I probably had a bit of momentum back then, but you know, there's guys, I see DJs, producers that have put their first tune out in like 2020 and they're, just doing, they you know, there's, like there's 60 EPs on Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, they're like a household name. They're playing all these massive shows. You know, and I guess it, for me, that was never the goal. Like my, the reason I do this purely is I just love making drum and bass. So, you know, whether it gets signed or not, like I'm just, I'm going to be doing it anyway. Uh, yeah. But but it, in terms of motivation to want to produce more, like if you can release on labels and, you know, ch chat to people like then that definitely motivates you to want to make, you know, create more. So, yeah, it's, it yeah. is definitely about finding that middle ground. Yeah. Yeah, but I find it really cool that, like, you're not, like, feeling the pressure to release more because that can sometimes happen when you... Maybe it's because of your history of releasing, like, other, other aliases and stuff, but, uh, like, when you put out your first EP and you get to know like different labels and stuff. And then you see other producers releasing EPs every second month or something. And then you feel the pressure you need to release more as well. Um, so I don't know if you don't feel that pressure or maybe you do feel it, but you just choose to hold back on releases. Well, I definitely feel that, that pressure for sure. And the funny thing is it's like I'm getting older, you know, every year, like I'm, I'm turning 26 <laughs> in a couple of months. And I'm looking at these 18-year-old kids that are just, releasing absolute bangers uh you know like I'm, I'm so fortunate to work with onyx and get all these demos in and be part of a and ring like the new generation of producers you know i feel very mm. blessed to, to be in that position but i mean for me personally it just comes down to time like i just don't have the time to make and release music like i'd love to do it more but you know at the end of the day uh well i'm a, a, a while away from from that paying the bills so yeah, you know, yeah. most of my time goes into, uh, obviously, I work full-time. You know, the little time I have outside of that is either freelancing for other labels, working, you know, doing the marketing for Onyx. Um, and then, you know, what, what time's left really is uh, what I have for making music. But in saying that, it's, it's not such a bad thing because, um, and I think I was listening, I think you spoke about it with Willem in the previous episode, about, you know, motivation um, to write music and also procrastination and you know the only times I ever feel like making music is when I've got other stuff I'm meant to be doing and <laughs> you know that's when I want to be making music whenever I you know put time aside to actually make music it's almost becomes this daunting task of like now I've actually mm. you know I don't want to I, I hate it was never a job for me you know it was always just something I did as a kid for funds and I, you know, I'd hate to lose that. So, mm. um, yeah, so I guess I feel involved enough through working with labels and being in the scene, um, you know, with drum and bass, um, that, you know, it doesn't bother me too much about not getting releases out in saying that I'd say probably in the past six months, I sort of realized that I do want to probably put a bit more time into it. Um, and you know, especially after this 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 new EP with Onyx, Parting Ways, which is sort of like three years in the making. Um, depending how well mm. that goes, um, I think 
I'd be keen to yeah try and get a bit more out this year and I guess take on less freelance work so I can put more time into actually making music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's uh let's actually jump into that EP. So uh it's not out as as of today, but it will be out when, when people listen to this. Um Jake kind kindly sent me the private SoundCloud, so I gave it a listen. And yeah, after listening to it, I was like, okay, yeah, I want to have this guy on the podcast. Because uh honestly, it's uh it's like really strong. It's a great balance, I feel, between more liquid stuff and a bit of the heavier side. Yes, um, yes. but uh yeah, first off, congrats on that EP. I really enjoyed it. So uh tell me a bit behind like those tracks, how they came to be, how you wrote them. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, so part of my problem is like I just love so many different genres of music. Like I barely, I listen to it. I do listen to a lot of drum and bass, but I love, you know, house, future trap. Uh, if yeah. you looked at my Spotify, like it's just this abomination of different genres <laughs> uh, because, you know, I just love it all, you know, and um, I can never just restrict myself to one. I mean, I don't even think about genres when I'm making music. It's literally just <laughs> whatever you know, whatever comes out the speakers. Um, and it's, but it's definitely a reflection. I think if you listen to the music, it's definitely a reflection of what I've been listening to at the time. So Inkling EP, I was like really into the deep, like Alex Perez, Ivy Lab, you know, critical, you know, like 1985 sort of stuff. I mean, still love that sort of stuff. But you can hear that influence in the sound. Whether as uh, more recently, I'd say in the past year, I've gotten really into like, this sort of like LSB, Sattel, mm. sort of liquid, you know, like yeah, integral. Yeah, that stuff. Like, yeah, like all all that sort of uh, liquid. And I think you can he- hear that influence quite heavily in the EP. So so the title mm. track, Parting Ways, uh, so the, the vocalist on that, Basil MC, uh, who absolutely, he killed it. He, so there's another guy that works for the for Onyx Recordings, Jack. Uh, he does all our graphic design. Uh, top guy, re- really good at what he does. Um, but he, we have very similar tastes, I think, when it comes to Liquid. And he showed me Roots by LSB, which is uh, featuring Kinross. And Kinross, I didn't realize, is a, a collective that uh, Basil is one of the vocalists in. Okay. And I just loved that tune. I thought it was, you know, it's right up my alley. And so I think ba- I don't know if Basil approached Jack or Jack approached him, but I, th- I think it might have been Basil that approached Jack, and he wanted. I think he was just trying to release more and get his name out. Mm. And Jack told me he's like, "This is the guy that did the verse on Roots." And mm. so like that night, because I, I think he just wanted anyone from our label um, to send some music through. But I just went home that night. I wrote. I literally wrote that track, uh, the piano track. I sent it through to Jack, who sent it through to Basil. And then I think within a week, he'd sent me like a video recording of him putting down the first verse. And I was like, yep, yeah, this is like, this is it. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I'm I'm pretty picky when it comes to, like, I love rap on Liquid. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't, I like interesting flows. Uh, you know, I don't like anything that's just too um, expected, I guess. And I think Basil really killed that. I had a, I had a female vocal in there already. Yeah. which was literally just a, it was a splice sample at a different BPM, but it just, I put it on the track without any uh, tempo change and it just fit perfectly. Nice. Yeah. 
yeah, it's just one of these happy accidents. And then Basil sort of did this call and response thing. And yeah, it, it yeah. just, it sounds planned, but it was just such a random accident. And then, yeah, the track turned out as it did. Um, and so I guess, yeah, the, the other two tracks, uh, so White Lies, that was me just, uh, so I said I played piano a bit when I was younger, but I mm. hadn't touched it from the ages of, I'd say like 15 to like 23. Um, but then when COVID hit last year, I was like really keen to like write music. So I went and bought a, 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 like a weighted electric piano and just started writing heaps of piano based music, which I, you know, if you listen to a lot of that, sort of like LSB sort of liquid, it's heavily piano based. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, you can, you can program the MIDI, but you just don't, it's just not the same as recording, you know, the, the human f- feel with, you know, with, with piano. I feel like so much of playing piano is, is how you play it. You, you can't replicate that, uh, just programming that. So yeah, I was, I'd, I'd written quite a few tracks and White Lies was just this sort of melancholy, depressive, <laughs> weird track. Like, you know, it's, you know, I never really make, I never really think like, oh, this is going to be played in a club or whatever. It's just, you know, mm. just writing a song really. And it just, ha- the genre happens to be drum and bass. And mm. so, the, yeah, that's sort of how that, that track came about. And then the last one, Horizons, I don't know. I think that was just, yeah, again, just like a random track I was just had lying around. And I think we were looking to fill up the EP. And I think I sent, I think I just sent a bunch of tunes to Chris who owns the label. And I think mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, this one's sick. Yeah, and and then yeah, the the remix uh, from Invert Era is like absolutely again like absolutely banging producer. Um, I reckon he's going to make some serious movements in the next you know couple years. Um, he, I guess, was in talks with Chris again about releasing the label, and you know part of our strategy for our releases to sort of help get unknown artists out is mm. you know having a remix artist to sort of help like cross pollinate across you know the different channels. Um, but yeah, he, he sent, I sent the stems to, to Charlie and he, he just killed it again, like just put his own flavor on it. And yeah, I, I love the fact that as you mentioned, like it's, it's sort of a mix of heavy and not so heavy tunes, but I still feel like they all sort of, they do still gel well together. And yeah. I like, I like that it's not, you know, it goes against the, your typical like, oh, this is an EP, it has to be this genre or this sound it's it's more just sort of like the music i was feeling at the time and it sort of works together so yeah 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 they fit that's the thing i always look when i listen to eps uh when it's three four tracks i feel it's really important that they fit well together and that they don't feel like just a collection of okay these are the best four tracks that you sent us we're gonna wrap them together in in an ep and i feel these ones for some reason even though they're different in styles they do fit very well together um and that's something i I really enjoy and i was actually going to ask you about white lies um i was going to ask you if you play piano on that one because it does feel like an actual piano for some reason it didn't feel like a sample so I'm happy that you said it was actually you playing on there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, this a little little surprise that uh, I guess no one really knows about yet, but uh, well, it might even be out by the time this is out. Uh, so, you know, to sort of help promo the release, uh, Basil and I are going to do a live 
rendition of, oh, of Parting Ways. Well, like semi-live, like, you know, sort of one of those, uh, you know, uh, like, you know, uh, Zoom, yeah, 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 yeah. Zoom live videos, I guess. Um, the vocal was a sample, but we're trying to get uh, this, the vocalist, her name's Hepsi, uh, who is the vocalist in Roots and in, in Ken Ross as well. And hopefully she can put down the vocals for that. And, you know, I really do love the, um, you know, like drum and bass, it's sort of seen as this like electronic music genre, but mm. it's, if you listen to live drum and bass, like, you know, like like some of the London Electricity stuff or the live stuff, you know, Chase and Stardust have done with the symphony orchestra. Like, it's such a cool genre live and it, it is very mm-hmm. musical, especially the liquid yeah, yeah. side of things. Um, you know, if you just listen through, like, like another producer I'm massive on at the moment is Red Eyes and he's got a lot of piano in his tracks and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to play. And, um, yeah, so... I think it's it's important to yeah not just think of drum and bass as just these club bangers, but it's mm, like yeah, music absolutely. that bands can play, and you can you know go maybe to like a like a gig, you know, like more of a like a like a rock show, you know what I mean? So yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I think that's definitely uh, like you mentioned some names like Settle and LSB, and like the stuff that comes out on North Quarter is definitely yeah. more like that very instrumental driven. And it just, as you said, it just happens to be drum and bass, but you can feel like there's a song behind it and not a track. Uh, it's it's like it's something I've discussed before, like the difference between a track and a song. Uh, and I feel like, especially like White Lies, but Parting Ways also to some extent is, it feels like there, there were songs that were written and happened to be in, in drum and bass, like tempo. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you listen to, I mean, when it comes to the piano sort of driven drum and bass, you know, the skill, like the musical skill behind like some of these chord progressions and and whatnot, I think is quite impressive. Having Mm -hmm. learned, you know, piano and music theory, uh, you know, a lot of like this drum and bass is really just jazz. It's just jazz at, uh, at 174 BPM. And, you know, to come up with jazz chords and tasty progressions like it can be quite difficult so you know i do have a lot of respect from that side of things like these are good musicians good songwriters you know they're not just sound designers or djs it's yeah it's um yeah so i I respect that side of things yeah yeah. so i'm curious because you said you learned piano when you were when you were a kid did you did you have like theory lessons as well like how how much like classical training did you did you have when you were younger? Yeah, so I was pretty, I had it uh, pretty full on. So I did graded, so I did AMEB graded piano exams and I also did AMEB graded theory. So I've actually did theory exams to the point, you know, like you'd go into the exam room and they'd play two notes. You know, you've got to tell the, like the interval or like oh, wow. they would, they'd play a note <laughs> and they'd say, okay, like a, minor third and you'd have to sing you'd actually have to sing that interval you know (laughs) and but ironically like that that turned me off from music like my parents I I had quite strict parents growing up and they forced me into that sort of stuff and like I'm so grateful they did because that you know I've never had to I've never not known music like I've always known music theory it's not something I have to I've had to go out Mm. and learn like sound design or production whereas like I see a lot of people that are probably better producers than me, but like they struggle with keeping things in key or like musical um, aspect. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the musicality behind it. Um, but yeah, the, it 
having such a rigid schedule, like I remember being, you know, like six years old and having like a, a timer on the piano and having to sit and do scales, you know, until the 20 minutes were up. And that just yeah. sort of killed it for me. And I think that's when I was like 15, that's why I gravitated towards, you know, so I taught myself guitar and gone to like, you know, like heavy metal and stuff. And cause it was sort of just, I guess, being an angsty teenager, you know, I'm always going to go against what my parents want anyway. Um, and I think, but it was, yeah, it was sort of, it was like a nice little journey. So I like had that classical background, got into, you know, heavy live music, got over that and then sort of has now like, I've now sort of ended up rekindling my passion for piano and, and realizing that I st it's, you know, it's still my favorite instrument. I still love to play it. Um, and, mm -hmm. and really like I've just been like most nights, like I'll come home after work and I'll just uh, play piano like till I go to bed. So <laughs> it's yeah, quite yeah. Uh, therapeutic as well. Yeah. How, how much do you feel like, um, Cause you said you pl you played like guitar and in like heavy metal bands and stuff and how how much do you feel that that might have like influenced what you're writing today uh i'm gonna say not really a lot i mean yeah i don't think it inf influences my music at all nowadays what i will say is that the heavy like heavy band music like hardcore death metal that sort of stuff mm. Because when I first got into drum and bass, it was like heavy neurofunk, like noisier. So basically okay, noisier yeah. is what got me to drum and bass. That's why I use Cubase. I was like obsessed with them for years. I didn't even really know about the UK side of drum and bass. It was like, because mm. like I found drum and bass through UKF with my best mate Cody in, in high school when we were like 15. So it was basically anything UKF would upload, like Calix and TB, noisier, like audio, all that heavy neuro stuff. And it's so weird because I go back and listen to that now and like a lot of it I can't even, like I don't even like. But It's too, I think too heavy. Or... It's, yeah, but you know, like <laughs> what, what's funny, like I, when I think of something heavy now, I think of like, you know, Alex Perez. Yeah, yeah. Back th but, you know, back then that wasn't like... It's a different It's a different heavy. sort of heavy. It's like the yeah, difference yeah. between like abrasive samples and stuff versus like... Deep know, stuff, yeah. Deep, yeah, deep, yeah. And um, mm. so I think, yeah, the the... The light, the heavy, the, the heavy music sort of helped me transition to the heavy bass music, mm. and then from from there, I've really just just sussed it all. Like you know, since since yeah. Noisy, like just I guess learning about all these smaller UK labels and getting more into like the jungle sound, I guess, and really just listening to like a lot of music over the years, and I guess sort of uh, refining my tastes to to what it is today. Yeah. So, so, so tell me, because you, you, you said you were producing a lot of different genres before drum and bass and like different aliases. Um, tell me a bit about like those other genres that you were producing and, and if there was any reason why you didn't stick with one specific alias up until now and you were kind of switching, switching around. Sure. So, um, so my first, I guess, pr prior to Muted Hue, in fact, when I started Muted Hue, I wasn't even making drum and bass. It was, well, actually, I think the first track on my SoundCloud was like a Melbourne Bounce track, which is, uh, if you're from Australia, you know what that is. But it's, I guess it's similar to like, like uh, Dutch House, I think, or um, I'm not, yeah, not 100% certain. Um, but yeah, Melbourne Bounce, I guess, is fairly known throughout the world anyway. Um, and then like, I think the second track I uploaded was 
drum and bass, and then the third track was a a hip hop remix of the Four Hours. So mm. I think I think at that point I was just making whatever. Um, but before that, I had an alias called Dead Juliet, and that was really uh, I was listening to like Feed Me, like Feed Me, and like that sort of uh, like Doctor P Circus Records, like all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I th- yeah I don't know I, th- I think I just. And then even even after Muted Q, like I've been making like so Flume's one of my favorite producers of all time. Mm. I've I actually did start another a- alias last year called Future Sam, uh, mm-hmm. and I was just making just like future trap, yeah. uh, and and I was I was actually I've probably got an EPs or an albums worth of music to release for that, but I just haven't had the time to like finish it all and and get it mastered and send it off somewhere. Um, but then on top of that, like I love Prog House, like um, like Rufus, Caitronada, Golden Features. You know, I, I could just list mm. you know a thousand different artists. And I've got a housemate that moved in late last year, and he like he's full into Prog House. Um, he's got like a grandmother Moog. Uh, he's got like a Sledge synth. He's got all these six synths, and so we we've started writing some stuff there as well. So I think it's just you know. It's like I was saying before, like I just make whatever I feel like, but then, you know, to put the time into getting a release together that you can sell as a package commercially, takes it takes a lot of time and effort. Mm. Um, so I'd rather just put that time and effort into drum and bass and hopefully eventually, mm. like later down the track, I would love to release some other, you know, under some other aliases, but yeah, it just comes down to time really. Yeah. Yeah, no, but I find it really interesting that you you're not like bogged down by like focusing on one alias and trying to build that one brand with drum and bass specifically, like that doesn't seem that important to you. Like for you, what's more important is more like just making the music that you enjoy and that you want to make. And if that means a lot of different aliases and a lot of unreleased music, that's, that's not really a a big issue. Yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, yeah, it is. It's a little bit depressing. Like, I, I uh, would. No, no, love I, d- to... I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Like, it's you know, I would, I would love to, I guess, do that. But you know, it's just if it ever feels like a job or a chore to me, yeah. Then it's. I mean, if it gets to that point, then I'm. Then it's going to reflect in the music anyway. Like, I don't think the music's going to be very good if I'm in that mindset. So, I know that I'm only ever going to make good music when I feel like doing it, and I know that's you know, a very different attitude than probably like a lot of career DJs or career producers where it's like, that's their livelihood. Yeah. You know, everything. So they have, they have to treat it more like a job, but I just don't think I could do that. You know, I love working from a base. That's why I work for the label doing, you know, the marketing and that side of things. And I know I can get yeah. paid to do that, but yeah, I just think if I, you know, cause I have definitely thought before, just take a leap of faith, you know, cut everything off and just put, all my time and effort into music, but I just don't think that, yeah, the music, I just don't think I'd be able to produce good yeah. music if I did that personally. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. It's, it's something that came, that comes up quite often is like when we're as producers, when, or just musicians, when we're kids, it's like the dream, dream job is to be like a rock star and just do music full time. And like, that's the goal. And then as you grow up and you kind of understand what goes behind actually making music and writing tracks, you start to reconsider like, okay, do you actually want to be writing tracks 100% of my time and all my income relying on 
that music? Like, will I really enjoy it as much? And you kind of like reassess as time goes by. I feel that was actually like my experience at least. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I can draw parallels to graphic design because that was originally like my music, just a side hobby that I was just doing for fun. But, you know, over the years, like I, it's, I've definitely become somewhat jaded, you know, when you're working yeah. commercially, working on briefs that are outside of your control, having to just make a bad a decision that you disagree with because mm-hmm. you're getting paid to do it. Um, it, I, like, yeah, it's definitely killed my, I want to say it's killed my passion for design. <laughs> I still love it. You know, I still do it all the time, but it's not, it's not quite the same as when I was doing it when I was younger, yeah. just for fun. And I can, and I think cause I've experienced that with design, I'd hate for that yeah. to happen to my music, you know? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah I see what it, it takes, takes a bit of the magic away, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just, I think I was going through your Facebook or something doing the, the prep for this chat. And I saw like your, what is it like? Make the logo bigger, like, like a <laughs> designer, like inside joke or something. Yeah, yeah. I post a lot of uh, yeah design memes. That uh, I guess if you if if you get it, you get it. But uh, it's my my little way of venting, I guess. <laughs> is it is that like a common? What what are like some of the common? I don't know, like not issues, but like uh, challenges challenges that you face when you're like in commercial graphic design. Um. I, okay, like. Certainly the, the the biggest one is just time. So, you know, as I said, like I'm a bit of a perfectionist, but, you know, when, you know, especially my current job, we have so many different clients, so many different venues to work on. Uh, I, this, you know, I'd love to just treat every design mm-hmm. like a piece of art and make it as best as I can. But commercially, like it's mm-hmm. just not viable. Like I'm getting paid by the hour to be here. And if the client is satisfied with with the design, you know, that takes 10 minutes versus two hours, then I've just got to, you know, I've just got to bite my, mm. bite my tongue and, and send the file. Um, Cause then I've got to get onto the next job and, you know, more time, spending more time on one job is less time on, on another job. Uh, you know, other, other things, uh, well, other common, I guess, issues in the industry, I'd like, uh, you know, getting invoices paid, <laughs> you know, that's a big freelance one is like, you know, when, when a client wants something, you have to give it instantly, but then trying to get paid, it's, you know, they just, oh, yeah. they'll take, you know, we- you know, weeks or months. That's something I don't really have to deal with too much because I have, uh, you know, really good mm. freelance clients like like Adam from Bowie and obviously mm. uh, working full-time, I don't have to deal with that as much. Uh, you know, so that's, that's another aspect. And then probably the last one is just, uh, you know, people who, th- I guess it's subjective, but people who are the mm. decision makers, I guess, and, in my opinion, they make a bad, you know, subjective or like aesthetic choice. But you know, you're getting paid to yeah. to to do you know what they want. So yeah, and it, but it's hard though because it's like it mm. goes on your portfolio, your resume. So you know, sometimes like admittedly, I've given a design to a client, but then I post a different version to my portfolio <laughs> because at the end of, at the end of the day, it's you know, um, it reflects on me. Yeah, and, yeah. and I want to get more work, and so. Yeah, that's just how it is. Would that ever be an issue with a client if they see that you post a different version on your socials? Like con- contractually oh. or whatever? <laughs> uh, potentially. I mean, I don't think my clients are probably big enough. You know, maybe if you if it was like Coca-Cola okay, or something, yeah. uh, you know, but <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I mean, who knows? I might've got myself into trouble just then, but uh, no, nah, I don't think it's too big of an issue. And you know, if you explain, you explain your reasoning behind it, like, um, 
you know, I'm not sure they could really, you know, be too upset because it's your li- your livelihood yeah. at the end of the day um, that you're you're protecting, really. So yeah, yeah. And so when it comes to when it comes to music and and artwork, uh, t- tell me a bit about your process when when you when you design for let's say Bowie Audio and like do they send you one track? Do they send you a full EP? Do they give you like guidelines as to what they're expecting? Like what does that look like? Well, I'm very fortunate in that the the clients that I do have give me pretty much full creative control, uh, which is why why I work with the clients that I do. Mm. So when it comes to music designs, uh, I will always try and get the music. I find that gives, you know, I, I treat like art, design, music. It's it's all it's all art to me. So you know, the design needs to speak through to the music. You know, it, it can't feel disconnected. You know, so. I, Yeah, I'll always try and listen to the music first if I can, uh, which is normally not an issue with with Adam. He'll always uh, send the bits through. Same with Onyx. Obviously, I work for the label, so I always hear mm. all the music. Uh, and yeah, so when it comes to Adam specifically, like I think he had he's had other designers, but I think he uses me now because like his music artists prefer the designs that I've done and so he's basically just lets me do whatever um <laughs> as long as it's got like the the co- the right copy on there like the catalog number and whatnot yeah. my my process um I'll, ch- I'll try and uh pick an example uh for example uh I did one for I think Kidda recently you and me and I listened to that track and mm-hmm. um if you look at the artwork it's You know, it's not just like random abstract patterns or anything. It's sort of like these two figures intertwined. Um, and it's got this sort of dark, grungy, you know, texture aesthetic about it, which mm. sort of matched the the music. So yeah, I, I think it, like it's not even that I consciously think of these things. It's just like I'll listen to the music or I'll hear the this, the name of the song, yeah. um, and then I'll just do whatever I'm feeling. Um, you know, I'm doing one as I mentioned for Zero T and has 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 B. I think I probably mispronounced that. Um, it's called Winter Mornings, and for me, like Winter Mornings, as soon as I say that out loud, you know, a thousand different things come to mind. So mm. the challenge is actually like trying to just pick an idea and and sticking to it. But you know, the good thing is because I work in graphic design on the day to day, and I'm looking at lots of different designs. I go on Behance a lot, which is uh, it's like the SoundCloud of graphic design, I guess. Um, and you know, I'm always just trying to elevate everything I do artistically. So just trying to do stuff that's outside of the box mm. um, and, and trying to have a good concept behind it. Cause I think if pe- people really appreciate a good concept. If they can see yeah. the underlying concept, it's, it really does elevate the, 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 the piece of art itself. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I find the, the artwork more often than not will be the f- like first point of contact of anybody with a, with the music like they're going to see the artwork first before they actually hear the track so so it is super important actually that's something i'd like to ask you is it's a question i asked um echo motion jack on the very first episode of this podcast like six months ago and i asked him because he manages basics recordings uh, his own label and i asked him uh, uh something i read on on twitter uh and somebody was saying um the artwork is as important uh, as the music. Um, I was just wondering what you thought of that. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, no, it's like, I can completely appreciate that, that sentiment. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, like it, it depends. Um, 
Well, I guess it depends on sort of like how how big a like artist you are as well. I mean, mm. yeah, I mean sometimes you don't just have the resources to be able to like if you're a small artist, like you know, I always I was lucky that I was a graphic designer, so I just made all my own artwork when I was younger. Mm. I think yeah, if you're at the point where you can engage a like a professional artist, and I guess if you're signed to labels, you would anyway. Um, it's just as important because. Well, I mean, it's like how do you how do you experience music? I mean, not everyone's always going to experience that. Just going to see that artwork. Mm. You know, you might just hear it on Spotify. Or you might hear it out at a gig. So, I mean, you're not always going to see the artwork. But if you're write like if you're writing an album or an EP and it's quite conceptual, and you've got uh, yeah, like this concept or an idea behind it, mm. um, then yeah, I think the the artwork is is very important from that aspect. And yeah, that's what I try and do when I'm creating, uh, you know covers for artists is like doing the doing the music justice yeah yeah gonna put you on the spot again here but is there any specific artworks that are like favorite of yours like classic albums or or contemporary stuff as well where like an artwork that you saw and you were like well like this is amazing i love the concept behind this uh um i really love the aesthetic and the artwork from uh, 1985. I mean, I just you know the the sound, the art. Actually, this is this is a very good point. The whole brand behind yeah 1985 and the, yeah like from the merch to the album covers to the the sound is for me is so consistent mm-hmm. and it's in terms of like a, a particular aesthetic. I I love it. I think it's 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 really cool. Uh, you've got some some labels you know like Integral. Or like even critical to some degree, where they, it's they try and keep it more cons- consistent with like, it's less arty mm-hmm. and it's more just a des- consistent design, yeah. which I you know I can get from a brand recognition like perspective. But what we try and do in Onyx, Onyx, or what I try and push for in Onyx is just creative freedom with the artwork because it's like you said, like if let's say you are an artist that you've got this big concept behind your your album and you sign to a label and they're like no this is the artwork you have to have because it's a a series like every other artist has had this artwork then you might feel a bit restricted you know so uh uh, so we try and just have like free free reign at onyx but then we uh where we get that that brand consistency is just that little label that we put i don't know if you've you've seen the artwork but we've always just got a little label that has the logo Um, and, and the release information. So that was sort of our compromise between letting artists have free reign with the, the actual uh, cover art versus, versus keeping our, our brand consistent. Um, but yeah, sorry, yeah, it's just sort of digressing. Yeah, so favourite favorite artwork, definitely, uh, yeah, 1985. Within the drum and bass world, outside of drum and bass, like I couldn't even pick, you know, I love, you know, even like old school Metallica albums. Mm. Um, there's just so much cool stuff out there. Uh, for sure. Yeah, actually, I, w- I meant to ask you just because you said you were in 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 heavy metal and all of that. Uh, do you know a band called uh, Dream on Dreamer? Oh, bro, Dream on Dreamer. Okay, so they okay. were like one of my favorite bands you, for ages. Can you see my sweater? Because it's actually a sweater. Oh no, joke! <laughs> That's hilarious. I yeah, I saw them uh, at Fowler's. There's there was a there was a place called Fowler's. It's now um, changed names. Uh, but yeah, I saw them in like. 2012, I reckon, with like We Came as Romans. Ah, sick man. Um, who else? It was it was We Came as Romans, Dream on Dreamer, um, I think Attack Attack. Uh, all the classics. 
because that's like you know po- okay i didn't say like post hardcore that was a big i had a massive post hardcore phase i was really into that sort of music i, I think it's hilarious that, yeah that you uh get get around that sort of stuff as well yeah and then i was deep deep into post hardcore at one stage and australia had like such an amazing scene for those bands and like parkway drive is probably like one of my all-time favorite bands yeah. like everything i've awesome. seen them like i don't know 10 times in in belgium and, and europe uh but yeah, I just wanted to bring up Dream on Dreamer because I remember I had a sweater of them on me now. And so I was wondering if you if you had heard of them. But uh, yeah, no, they're a sick band. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And I guess it's it's interesting. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people I know in DMB and through like other scenes in, in my local city, like there's just so much crossover because mm. um, I guess there's similarities and, you know, why that sound appeals, you know, to certain people but uh yeah but for dream on dreamer they're pretty like i'd say they're fairly obscure so that's pretty cool yeah yeah i haven't heard about them that much recently but uh i know at the time uh, i forget the album name but i was just thinking of them as well because i love their artwork and it was uh it wasn't live stream it was something else i forget the name of the album anyway it was this album like kind of creamy colored and with a heart in the middle um yeah anyways but uh, yeah, no, cool. <laughs> Funny connection there. Yeah, I think I know the one. And just on that as well, like sort of um, tying back to what we were chatting about earlier is um, I think it's, is it the Devil Wears Prada or like a day to remember or something, uh, you know, like their early album artworks. There was an illustrator, I can't remember his name. I think he did one of the Data Remember ones. Um, and that was like a massive influence for me mm. when I was like a young graphic designer. The album artworks that I was designing was all very like illustrative, um, I'm still still do a lot of illust- like fine line illustration um, in my in my job today, but yeah, those hardcore album covers uh, were you were a massive influence, uh, you know, in my my design and art. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that you have all those influences outside of drum and bass, and then you kind of bring those maybe subconsciously into drum and bass when you do your artworks for drum and bass. So it's it, it kind of brings a unique perspective, I guess, to to what you do. Yeah, for sure, and 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 I'd say the same with the music as well. You know, the, you know, I like I like to think I've got a, a relatively unique sound, and I think that just comes from the fact that I just listen to so much non-drum and bass that, you know, that you know subconsciously comes through when I sit down to actually make drum and bass music. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we we did mention Onyx quite a few times, and I, I do want to just talk about it a bit here. Um, because as I mentioned, Jake was the one who who introduced us. Um, tell me a bit how you how you got involved with with Onyx. How did you meet those guys? Because you're not exactly neighbors. <laughs> no, yeah. So I guess this is another uh, one of those doors leading to to other doors situations. So after I released uh, the Inkling EP with Bowie in 2018. Uh, then I think I had a few people hit me up after that, which was quite exciting. You know, like I've just gone from this nobody, you know, Australian guy from little old Adelaide to like having people approach me to to want to sign music. And I think Chris was one of them. And the great thing about Chris is, you know, he and and, and Adam from Bowie as well. But like when it comes to A&R, you know, just willing to like just give anyone a crack if he thinks you know if the music is good enough and so he approached me immediately after that release and wanted me to release on onyx and then i'm not even sure how it happened but we just sort of clicked you know instantly we would just chat like on messenger or zoom calls or whatever 
And we're both very like business minded as well, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, from our, our day-to-day jobs. And yeah, I think they were looking for someone to do digital marketing and like I'd done a bit of it through my work, but I was really looking to upskill and learn a bit more about that s- side of things. So I sort of, yeah, jumped on board with the team, which was uh, just Chris, this other guy, Jack, who's the designer for us, still with us. And then uh, there's another guy um, who's no, no longer with us. And then since then, yeah, it was just me, Jack and Chris for a little while. Um, we just had the free download platform going, which I guess Jack and Chris really had built up from being in the UK. And I guess I just sort of offered my, you know, behind the scenes expertise, you mm. know, when it comes to just, you know, actually organizing the label and, and what we actually have to do to sort of progress and grow. And uh, and then, yeah, we finally got to the point where we had our first commercial release, I think, was it start of 2020, like start of last year, I reckon, or even like late 2019 with, with MoFest, mm-hmm. which is funny because he's like an Austrian producer. And I think, yeah, we just bit the bullet and, and started doing commercial releases and like so now we've done I think five or six in, in our first year and it's they've just you know and obviously the most recent one was Jam Thieves which we've hit our first number one on B mm. which was pretty crazy and and so you know the because I just love that side of things as well you know that's why I haven't really spent much time making music because I've just <laughs> been so so into the label and my full-time job um, yeah so at some point yeah, Chris got uh, Jake on board as like PR and writer and um, like comms manager, I think. And then also Josh, it, uh, which is, he's like our resident DJ and uh, it does, uh, it handles, handles all of our social media, TikTok, uh, does other bits as well. Um, and so now we've just got this, this pretty tight knit team of five where, you know, we all click pretty well. We've all sort of got a set role in the label and it's, it seems to be going really well. So we're like, we're just going to keep, pushing it and you know obviously mm. you know i have to thank jake for, for getting me onto this podcast and um you know and, and having this chat but yeah they're, re- they're really really great group of guys and to even just be so accepting of like you know this guy <laughs> lives in another country but you know we we you know we still just work around our time zones and um you know make sure we plan meetings you know whether, whether it's morning for them night for me or vice versa and and yeah we just make it work i yeah. guess yeah, I think that's the that's honestly the beauty of of living in in today's age. Like if if we were living like 40, 50 years ago, you you would have to be in the right neighborhood and know the right people directly to have any of these opportunities. But now like pretty much anything's possible. You could be in in the deepest, I don't know, village in South America and you could be part of the Onyx team as well. <laughs> like it doesn't really matter anymore. Absolutely. It's it, it's crazy, isn't it? And, you know, even trying to explain, you know, this to my parents, <laughs> you know, they just, they're like, what? You know, you sure you're not, just, <laughs> it's not like a scam, you know, <laughs> like it's, you're not getting, yeah, you, you yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, no, it's legit, mom. Like, <laughs> like, check it out. Um, And just on that as well, like for, I guess this is another little uh, surprise announcement, but uh, so for Parting Ways, I really want to do a music video for oh, it. Nice. Um, I'm not sure if, J- if Jake mentioned no, that because no, uh, I do. So like part of my job is like editing TV commercials. Like I do a lot of like uh, video editing animation as well. Um, and I did, I did my first music video, which was the T95 um, Dusky Break the Ice, uh, which came out uh, late last year on Onyx and did really, really well. Uh, we had a guy 
uh, called Sam Sam Wright from Sam Wright Media had who'd filmed it all. They already had the footage, and then uh, they were like, "Oh, do you want to edit it?" And I just had such a blast that I was like, "I'd love to just do this mm. for my own release." So, uh, you know, I hit up Basil, and he said he was keen to do it. So we, you know, I started looking for a videographer in the UK. Uh, found found this guy called Honey JD, who had I think he does all the high focus music videos or a lot of them, uh, like in the hip hop realm. Uh, Basil mm. had had used them before, and so yeah, I uh, storyboarded a brief, uh, sent it through like locations and everything, gave some reference shots. Oh, wow. uh, Basil and Honey managed to to scout out the locations. I even had like included like an actress to be <laughs> like sort of the the female lead That's in this. Amazing. Because you know, it sort of ties back to what we were saying before about like this song. It's like a story. It's it's a narrative. You know, I had this sort of like story play in my mind when I listened to the track, and I really wanted to capture that in a music video. Mm. So um, good on Basil. He managed to to get um, uh, a girl called Cam to uh, be the actress of sorts in the music video. Um, they filmed it all. Uh, Honey uploaded all the footage, and yeah, I, I edited it. Um, edited, edited the video, graded it, and it, yeah, hopefully it should be out. I mean, it might be out already uh, by the time this party's out. Um, but yeah, that's another little exciting uh, part of the release that we're keen to share, show everyone. That's yeah, that's super. Is, is that something you you guys plan on doing for future releases on Onyx as well? Like, is it part of the like, like the vision of of Onyx to do more than just the tracks? Definitely. Uh, yeah, we've we've got more music videos coming up. We, I probably can't give away any names but we've got some very exciting uh releases and music videos coming up uh you know the whole crew there you know we're all just about just trying trying to do stuff that's different and i guess doing you know things that people are going to engage with is uh you know like for example you you mentioned earlier the stay-at-home festival and you know we've you know, we're now we're finally getting onto stuff. Like I know a lot of a lot of other labels do it already, but you know, like Discord servers and Patreon, yeah. and, you know, just taking a different approach to to the the whole record label, um, you know, idea. And yeah, it's music videos. I think it's just such a great way to complement the music, you know. And it's yeah, it's just like you know, I guess it comes back to you. You were saying before, like the artwork's just as important mm. as the music. You know, it, it really it is. You know, well, it has to be. It's not that it's. It you know it has to be, at like the quality or you know, it has to be at the same level as the music. So yeah, I think music videos, if they're done well, yeah. um, can really, um, you know, it can it can almost help you hear the song differently. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, no, and I th- especially for <clears throat> like the two of us coming from more metal scene, and we're not the only ones. There's a ton of people in drum and bass that come from more hard rock metal or other other scenes where like like video um video clips for for songs are like an important part of of releases and like funny story actually when i we were talking about parkway drive when i discovered parkway drive it was through their track sleepwalker and they oh, they had yep, they banger. have this amazing music video i don't know if you remember it where everything's like in black and white and you can only see the red. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember, like, that was my first introduction to actually, like, uh, screaming vocals. And at first I was really turned off, but I kept coming back to the video because I thought it was, like, so interesting. And, like, with time, I actually, like, enjoyed the song. 
but that was because I kept coming back to the video because like the concept was so interesting, even though I didn't enjoy the screaming vocals. So yeah, and I think and just on Parkway Drive as well, you know, there and I guess because you appreciate the post-hardcore side of things, is, is there's actually a very melodic element absolutely yeah. to to that heavy music. You know, like he screams, but like he screams in pitch. Uh, you know, which is, uh, you know, and yeah, like it's like, you know, a lot of people that don't like drum and bass, they, you know, they just, they hear a track and they'd be like, oh, it's too fast or all here is just these loud drums. Mm -hmm. But if, yeah, if you give it a bit of time and yeah, um, yeah you can actually really, it, music can grow on you. You know, it's like I wouldn't, it's like I was saying, like I used to just listen to neuro, neurofunk and all that sort of heavy stuff, which I can't, can't even really listen to now. You know, it's all just liquid <laughs> and, and deep, deep stuff. So yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Maybe your uh, your video for Parting Ways will have the same effect on on somebody else. Who knows? <laughs> Hopefully, that's. I mean, it's yeah. It's always nice to convert convert people to drum and bass. Yeah. Cool. I'm gonna yeah slowly bring this to an end. Uh, I don't want to keep you up all night either. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, easy. It's been uh, yeah no, it's been really fun talking to you, man. Meeting you. Uh, had a really nice chat. Uh, learning a bit about the the scene in Australia and, and your background, I thought it was yeah really interesting to, to hear about that. Um, before we, we shut off, maybe let people know where, where they can reach out to you, um, where they can reach out with Onyx uh, and anything upcoming that you can, you want to disclose. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's been, no, it's been great to being on here and, and chatting through things. Um, I think I've sort of, You've made me think about a lot of things I haven't even really thought about for a while. So it's actually interesting sort of mapping out my musical journey over the years like that. Um, yeah, in terms of getting in contact, um, I'm actually, yeah, I'm keen to to release more music, you know, um, collaborate with other artists and whatnot. So, you know, feel free to hit me up on, on my SoundCloud or Facebook, Instagram, MutedQ. You can contact the label directly, Onyx Recordings, through their social channels. You can email me directly, samuel at onyxrecordings.co.uk. Um, you know, I'm fairly accessible. Uh, so, yeah, hit me up if, you, if you're keen. All right, perfect. And just a, a last mention, Parting Ways EP is, is, out, uh, is out now. So everybody definitely go check it out. Uh, and if you check out just one track, check out White Lies. It's my personal favorite. So... Uh, Congrats again on that EP. Cheers. All right, cheers, man. Talk soon. Cool. Cheers. Catch you later.